It's time for the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Brimmer, your number one source for the latest Colts news, information, and discussion. It's time to kick things off. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast. I'm your producer, Heather B., and I'm joined by your host, CNHI Sports Indiana executive editor and Colts beat writer, George Brimmer. This week, we look ahead to Sunday's game against the Bills, hear from running back Marlon Mack, and answer your burning Colts questions. But first, I've got to make a confession. I had the game on Sunday, but I may have been paying way more attention to decorating our Christmas tree and putting up the seven inflatables outside. Yes, seven. I'm kind of a Christmas nut when it comes to that stuff. Um, But from what I've heard and what I've read, I really didn't miss much, did I? Uh, No. No, it was very similar to the first meeting with the Jaguars. Jacksonville pretty much dominated on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive. Uh, It was an ugly game. Uh, Even the weather didn't kind of live up to expectations. It was warm, which is nice, but clouds came in pretty early in that one. It was an overcast day. Uh, It was, and, you know, one of the things I think is interesting, Jacksonville's fan base has not been ignited by this run. They're eight and four right now. They're not only tied for the division lead, they've got a strong lead in the wild card race. They're just a couple weeks away from clinching a playoff spot, which will be the first time since 2007. And the stadium over there was barely half full, which I know doesn't totally shock you because we lived in Florida for about uh, six years. And, and we know that the fan base, the footprint back then when we left in 2008 for the Jaguars was not very big. It really didn't extend outside of the city honestly yeah Yeah. and you know what a lot of that is and it continues to happen to them is their tv contracts most of that state gets the dolphins or gets the bucks or the saints or the saints and nobody is able to watch the jaguars nobody's able to get excited about the jaguars i think it's disappointing for them because that defense is fun to watch it's not so much fun to watch probably for jacoby Brissett, some of the colts out there who are getting hit by them all the time uh, but that's a young defense that's really fun to watch that's making a difference in this league. So uh, that probably ends the happy part of this podcast. We talked about the Jaguars and, and, and their kind of, of good goodwill that's going on there. But uh, the Colts are in some uncharted territory, at least around here, unfamiliar territory for them. Uh, that loss bounced them out of the AFC South race. They cannot win the division. I know that Nobody really probably had those thoughts in their heads anyway, but now mathematically they're eliminated from the AFC South race. The playoff race, I saw the other day, I think their playoff chances right now are .0000001%. They're they're a week, maybe two weeks away from being eliminated from that race, and that just has not happened around here. Even the last two years, as, as much angst as there was and as much, you know, discussion as there was about how bad things had gone they were in the race they were eight and eight finishes both years and they were in the race right down to week 16 or week 17 so to sit here with four games to play a quarter of the season left and and really have nothing to play for it's really a new circumstance in Indianapolis and nobody from the coaching staff uh, the owner the scouts the fans the players nobody is happy with with the way this has gone Okay, let's talk about the health of this team. It's really been an ongoing issue. Can you give us an update on the status of these injured guys? I know we've lost some. We have some might be coming back. Yeah, it's it was a rough week again from an injury standpoint. The Colts, in a matter of two days, Sunday and Monday, lost two more defensive starters. 
Pierre Desir injured his shoulder, which you would have seen if, if you weren't decorating the tree on a tackle. I'm glad uh, I didn't see it. Early, early in the second quarter of that game. Uh, that ended up being serious enough that he was placed on injured reserve. His season's over. And that that's a really terrible one because Desir was one of the true success stories of this season. He's a guy who was cut four times in the span of a calendar year. Imagine that. From September of... 2016 to September of 2017, he was cut four times by three different teams, comes to Indianapolis, started six games this year, really was starting to make a name for himself, gaining confidence both in himself and with his teammates, with the coaching staff every week, and now his season's over, so he won't be able to finish out that run. The other one hurts just as much. Uh, John Simon, gone. Uh, on injured reserve as well his season's over as well the outside linebacker who really for the first half of the season might have been the MVP of this football team he was playing that well uh, that really peaked in that Monday night game in Tennessee he had the pick six in that game and he, he also I think started to have the problems with his shoulder in that contest uh, it officially happened the next week against Jacksonville when when he got what they call a stinger which is really a compression of your neck of nerves in your neck, which is just a terrible, terrible sounding injury. Uh, he missed a few weeks with that. He came back the last couple of weeks, but he clearly wasn't himself. He had to wear a brace. He had to wear a, a horseshoe around his neck. There was a lot going on there. It was limiting him on the field. And then he re-aggravated the injury during the game against Jacksonville. So he's done as well. And those are two guys that, that really were great stories this year in terms of guys who hadn't really made their mark yet in the NFL who were starting to emerge as legitimate starters for this football team, and now they're done for the final four weeks as well. On the bright side, Ryan Kelly is probably going to come back. You never know with a concussion and the way those situations go, but he was in his non-contact practice on Wednesday. He's expected on Thursday to go out, have his contact practice, and at that point it's really just a matter of him clearing uh, – everything with the independent neurologist and then if all that goes as planned he'll be ready to go on Sunday he'll be back in the lineup which is good but that being said Mike Person did an excellent job in his place he was from pro football focus the highest rated lineman on Sunday for the Colts against the Jaguars he didn't allow a pressure which is saying something considering how much fire Jacoby Brissett was under during that game uh, and he's a guy that, that might also be interesting to watch going forward. He has some flexibility. I talked to him in the locker room a little bit on Wednesday, and the interesting thing is center's actually the new position for him. He didn't start playing that until two years ago when he went to the Rams. Now he's been a tackle. He's been a guard. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they want to maybe try him somewhere else on the interior when they get Ryan Kelly back. We'll see how that goes here over the final four weeks. But Kelly's return would be one one piece of good news for this this lineup. Uh, the other one we're not sure about is Dante Moncrief. He was walking around in a boot in a locker room on Monday. Uh, Chuck Pagano just said he's dealing with an ankle injury, and he's day-to-day. So we'll see where that comes out. He did have five catches on Sunday, which is one of his more productive games, but just 37 yards. Uh, one of his higher-rated graded <laughs> one of his higher graded games. Uh, by Pro Football Focus, uh, for what that's worth, uh, it'll be interesting to see where 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 they head with him going down the line and, and how they replace some of these guys. I think the most interesting factor in in the injury side of things right now is probably Terrell Basham. We'll talk about him a little later, though. I think we've got a question in the mailbag there. So, uh, 
you're going to see three rookies in the secondary at corner. Uh, most likely, again, Rashawn Melvin didn't practice Wednesday. I'd be surprised if he's able to get back this week from that hand injury. Uh, and that's that's always a test. They they were challenged quite a bit by Jacksonville. I think they gave up 13 receptions and 16 targets, uh, 150 odd yards, two touchdowns. So there's a lot of room there to grow. Quincy Wilson, Kenny Moore, and uh, Nate Harrison, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see how long they're together. It's it's possible. I know the Colts expect Rashawn Melvin to come back, but that's a interesting injury he's got with a metatarsal in his hand so it'll be interesting to see if he is able to make it back by the end of the year it's possible these rookies play the last four weeks even with all of these injuries in mind on paper this team could win three of their upcoming games that's not necessarily I think what fans are wanting to hear given the Colts current drafting position in the top five yeah, that's one of the things that gets interesting this time of year, the dichotomy that you're dealing with and, and kind of the disconnect. You mentioned it yourself, your disinterest right now in the games, and I think a lot of fans are feeling that way. They're tuning out. Uh, when you're eliminated from the playoff race, when you're struggling on the field, people tend to start thinking about the draft and start thinking about next year. Right now the Colts are picking number five, but they've got a stretch coming up here Buffalo, we really don't know what they're going to be. They've been struggling of late, too. They're 6-6 six and six. right now. They're in contention for that last playoff spot in the AFC, but they've been sliding of late, and if they can't, if they don't have Tyrod Taylor on Sunday, they might be a different football team, so you don't know what to expect there. Then they're going to come home, and they're going to play the, the Broncos on a short week, and Denver is fourth right now in the draft order they're they're struggling just as badly as the Colts are they can't find a way to get anything going on offense that's a winnable game and of course they close the season with the Texans who only have four wins and are just ahead of the Colts in, in the draft order and those are big games because obviously if the Colts win those games you know they're head-to-head -head with guys who are right around them in, in that draft spot so that could push them lower down the way and I think Probably there's a lot of fans more interested in, in how that winds up right now than in what the Colts' final record is. But there's a lot of young kids out there who are trying to grow, grow, trying to learn how to win in this league. And that's going to be kind of what to watch over these last four weeks. Can the improvement come back? Because I think everybody felt going into the Tennessee game two weeks ago that the Colts were improving and that things were moving in the right direction. The results weren't necessarily there. They were 1-3 and three in the four games up to that point, but they've been in every one of those games. They were playing well uh, compared to, to earlier in the season. And then you saw kind of a slip of that against the Titans, and I think against Jacksonville it was another couple of steps back. So, you know, can they get back on their feet? And do the fans want them to get back on their feet? It's going to be interesting over these last four weeks. One of those players that you talked about uh, learning this game and learning how to win in this game is running back Marlon Mack. And he'll be up next on Inside the Locker Room. It's time to go Inside the Locker Room with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Bremer. Our guest this week on Inside the Locker Room is rookie running back Marlon Mack. And Marlon has had a learning season. He's had an interesting season in that he didn't play a lot early, and then he had some success in, in short bursts. He had some struggles in the middle of the year where he just couldn't find any holes. On Sunday, against a very good Jaguars defense, he, he had a little bit of a breakout game. He had a couple of big runs, uh, another good 
average per carry, which which is good to see him return to after struggling that for a couple of weeks. So, you know, he, he's a guy who these last four weeks mean a lot too because he wants to finish out his rookie year on a high note. He wants to show that he belongs in this league, and he wants to show that maybe next season he's ready for an even bigger role with this offense. So those are the kind of things that we talked about, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Marlon, uh, what did Sunday mean to you, just having a performance as strong as you did against the defense that, that's been able to do what Jacksonville's been able to do this season? Uh, I mean, it was, it was okay, uh, but I know I could do better than that because there was some things out there I did on the field that wasn't well. So, I mean, it was great overall, but offense pretty much blocked, offensive line pretty much blocked well for me. So I just did whatever I could do without those guys with that help. How interesting has it been as a running back playing behind an offensive line that's changed a lot from from week to week? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's the NFL, so you got to be ready every week, different week, no matter what it, uh, what you got or what you going. Every week is different. You just got to be ready. Yeah, every season's obviously a big learning experience, and you as a rookie, mm-hmm. has there been a lot this year to learn from? Just the way, because it seems like this team has seen a little bit of everything you can see in the NFL, one point or another, every mm-hmm. kind of game, every kind of environment. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, from winning games to losing games and things like that. I mean, this season's been a been a tornado, but we just coming in every week, different week, and get ready for the next one. Can you block out? I mean, there's always outside noise. There's mm-hmm. always different things going on in and outside of the locker room. Can you block that out in these final four weeks and just focus on your individual improvement? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's always like I try to do every week and just block out everything and just focus on me and just get better as a team and make sure this team come out with a W. As a young guy, how important are these final four weeks to you just to, to get through this season and, and to finish strong? Um, I mean, it's important, but I just want to make sure that as a team we get some Ws for the fans and, and the community, I guess you could say. Frank Gorse talked about that a few times, too. You guys are close. I mean, most of these games have come down to the wire, and he said sooner or later it's going to turn. Is that the attitude you kind of have to keep, that you just keep doing what you're doing and, and, and things will roll your way one of these weeks? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you never get too down on yourself because you know things – just right there, you, you're so close, but you just never get down yourself. Just keep working. How frustrating is it, though, when you go through three or four straight weeks and it, and it seems like every week the win's right there and maybe one or two plays make the difference? I mean, it could be very frustrating, but you try, like you say, you just block everything out. Don't, don't think about it too much. It's just stay focused and get ready for the next week. Is that kind of reality in the NFL, too, though? I mean, the other guys are here for a reason as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but it is what it is. I mean, guys mess up. You can't can't really get down on everybody else. You just focus on yourself and make sure the team work together as a team and stick together as a team. And we go out there, fight hard, and try to get the W. What's your biggest takeaway so far from your rookie season? Uh, NFL season is long. Uh, we on week, whatever right now, but it's, it's a long season. So you make sure you stay right, stay healthy, and go out strong. Yeah, last year, this time, you were preparing for a bowl game, right? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, uh, right now, I'll probably be home getting some downtown right now but I'm actually in work so I'm happy about that I don't really care about that <laughs> so I'm good to that how do you feel physically I mean you strong you feel like you can finish the season strong oh uh, yeah definitely I mean every week uh, in the training room make sure my body is right healthy make sure I get go out there get 110 percent can you look at the guy in the locker next to you and, and maybe ask him for a few tips seems like he's got some secrets to longevity here he, he, he got some secrets uh <laughs> You got to make sure you get all those. So every day I try to ask him about something and get it it in. Thanks to Marlon Mack for joining us on Horseshoes and Hand Grenades this week. George, what's your impression of this young man? Everybody can see the physical gifts. His speed is something that you can't really teach, and it's something that 
not many guys in this league have. So when you can get him the ball in space, he's a really dangerous young man. Uh, what we haven't seen from him yet is consistency, and I think that's what he's working on, that ability to understand that sometimes the big run isn't there and take the two- or three-yard gain as opposed to trying to b bounce it outside and, and getting tackled for a loss. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, our offensive line has something to do with that, obviously, and you haven't had a lot of consistency up front there, uh, both to injury and, and, and then sometimes performance. So I think he's a guy that, like, like I said in the opening, the last four weeks means so much too because you want to see, can he build off a good performance against a strong Jacksonville defense and finish this year in a way that gives you confidence that maybe he can have a bigger role next season? All right, it's time for me to reach into the mailbag and quiz George with your Colts questions. Pony Express is up next. Delivering answers to all of your burning questions about the Colts and the NFL. It's the Pony Express. Welcome to the mailbag segment of our show where George answers your burning Colts questions. Let's get to our first question from at Colts812. Who do we draft with that top five pick? Yeah, that like we were talking about before, that's probably a more interesting question to a lot of folks right now. Uh, than anything else that's going on on the field. And I think it right now it's tough to say because there's so much that's going to play out between free agency and, and there's so much left to do. We haven't even gotten to the Senior Bowl yet when they get their first look at a few of these prospects. There's so many pieces of data yet to go into this equation that, that, that we have to look at. But I think right now there are a couple guys that you can kind of zero in on that, that Phil needs that'll be interesting to see. I think probably the most interesting name on the board for a lot of folks right now is Bradley Chubb. I think he just won the Nagurski Award as the top defensive player in in the in college football. Uh, he's out of North Carolina State. He's an edge rusher. That's the biggest need for this team. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of areas where they can plug in people and, and take a step forward. But I think this defense would be transformed if you had a consistent pass rusher who can get after the quarterback on every down. So I think Bradley Chubb right now is everything that this team is looking for. Uh, some people look at him and see a bigger version of Robert Mathis, which would be an interesting piece, obviously, to add to this team. Question remains whether he'll be on the board there and also what Chris Ballard sees in him because it's one thing for a lot of the Twitter scouts, so to speak, to, to see a top five prospect, but we'll see what Chris Ballard thinks about that. The other name I think to keep an eye on at this point, and again, so much is going to change between now and even February when we get to the scouting combine, but right now I think is Texas offensive tackle Connor Williams, and I don't think there needs to be a lot of ex explanation there. He's a big brawler kind of a guy. This offensive line needs a lot of help, and uh, I think a tackle would be a good spot to add somebody there. All right, our next question comes from at Old Colts fan. Has there been an Andrew Luck sighting recently? <laughs> there has not. Uh, we do not even have confirmation at this point whether or not Andrew Luck is, is in the country. We know he went over to Europe. Uh, to get some special treatments over there. And I had also heard that he'd be working out in Alabama a little bit. He's working with some of the best physical therapy guys in, in the country down there. Uh, he has not been around at any time that the media has been available uh, and not been at practice during our little 15-minute window. Uh, whether or not that changes over the next few weeks, it's hard to say. I do know that at least as of about a month ago or two or three weeks ago, Chris Ballard was under the belief that, that Andrew Luck would be meeting with the media before the season ended. So 
that we can kind of look forward to that maybe towards, you know, sometime after Christmas around New Year's. Uh, I'm not sure how much we'll see of him before that. All right. The next question comes from at Steve underscore Cardenas. Why don't they go ahead and fire Pagano now and get a head start on the coaching search? What's the benefit of keeping around for another four weeks? Yeah, the the one thing that I keep hearing on that is that obviously Jim Irsay is a very loyal guy and he's never fired a, a head coach in season during his run here with Colts. Uh, but I think that the thinking there, at least as far as it's been explained to me, is they want to show that that loyalty is going to extend to the next head coach. So whether or not, I mean, how much weight you want to put in that is kind of up to you as an individual. But the thinking is that if Pagano's able to, to coach out this entire season, the new coach will know because there's still a lot to be done with this team. I think it's pretty obvious for anybody who's watching play on the field. This isn't going to necessarily be a, a really quick turnover to where they're in Super Bowl contention. I think if Andrew Luck is healthy next year, obviously that'll be a huge step forward for this team. And then if you can have another good draft and a good free agency offseason, you could make some big steps forward to where the record changes a lot. But there's a, so many flaws right now with this unit that this is not going to be a quick process, a quick rebuild. And that's also not the way that Chris Ballard's looking at it. He He's looking at a long-term process. He wants to make sure that everything's in place so that this isn't a one or two or three-year window of success, but a five or eight or ten-year window of success. And part of that is letting that head coach know that. And so the philosophy is when you leave Pagano in charge over these final four weeks, you send a message to whoever's coming in, this is going to be a patient organization. This is going to be a team that's going to give you the time to get the job done because that is kind of the approach they have. Now, again, whether or not you think that makes a difference is kind of in the eye of the beholder, but that's what I'm hearing from from people in the organization. At AR underscore 15s, where here's our Basham question. Will Basham get more playing time now that John Simon is out and the season is pretty much over? Yes, he will. Uh, but maybe not as much as you're expecting. Barkevius Mingo is going to be the starter there. They also brought in a guy named Anthony Johnson, who's an interesting case right now. He's listed as a defensive end. He's 6'2", 295 pounds. But Chuck Pagano said on Wednesday he believes he can do some things as an edge rusher for this team. So he may be involved in that mix as well. And then Pagano also said Terrell Basham is going to see more snaps, especially on third down. And I think he's earned it. I mean, he he had probably the biggest play of the game from a Colts standpoint. I mean, maybe the 40-yard touchdown uh, reception by T.Y. Hilton tops it. But his strip sack of Blake Bortles, the only sack the team had in the game, gave him a chance if they could fall on that ball to get a little momentum there when the game was still somewhat close in the first half. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, can he build off of that? Can he become much like Marlon Mack uh, in a much smaller window because we've seen far less of, of Basham? There have been moments. Cincinnati had a huge sack against Andy Dalton. He had that play on Jacksonville. Now, can he build off of that as he sees more playing time here in the last four weeks? Can he be a factor? It's one of the more intriguing things to watch here as they close out the season. And our final question of the week is at Day Blue Man. What's the Colts record this season if Andrew Luck plays every game and all other factors remain unchanged? Yeah, see, I like the fact that he added that last part because that, you know, obviously if Andrew Luck was playing, the way defenses play the Colts, the way the game unfolds is going to be very, very different. But if you look at the way the season has unfolded now, I think you can pretty easily identify four or five games that, that Luck would have made a big difference in. 
the Arizona game at home that they lose in overtime after having a 10-point lead early, the Cincinnati game on the road that they lose by one after a pick six late, the both games against the Titans, particularly the one at home, though, again with a late touchdown by Tennessee to win 20-16. to But even on the road, people forget they had a 10-point lead in the third quarter of that game. They also had the ball with a chance to go back in front or to tie it at 29-22 late and came up short on fourth down. And then you had the long run that turned that into a 36-22 game. And then also the, the Steelers game at home, another one where the opponent scored late and, and a 10-point lead was, was erased. You look at those five games, I think it's it's fair to say they all could have been in the win column if Andrew Luck was here. So if you switch the record to five wins you know, in, in that in their favor, you'd be looking at eight and four team right now, which would have them tied atop the division race. So, uh, you know, it's tough to say how much else would have changed. You look at the Seattle game and, and how well they played in the first half. Could they have been far enough ahead? Could they kept the defense a little more rested, not have that monumental second half collapse up there? Those things are tougher to really gauge. Uh, but I think those five games in particular, it's pretty easy to look at and say, if Andrew Luck was here, they're all at least winnable. Do the Colts win all of them? Who knows? But I think they were all winnable games if he was here to close out the contest. That's it for our mailbag this week. George, why don't you tell the folks how to get their questions to you? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way is to hit me up on Twitter at GM Bremer. And you can also check out my professional Facebook page, which is George M. Bremer. All right. When we come back, we'll award this week's horseshoes and hand grenades. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Ranking this week's Colts news. It's time for Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, where George chooses a few things that will work for the Colts and a few things that will work against them against the Bills. As has become custom in this podcast in the last couple weeks, there are more hand grenades than horseshoes. The first hand grenade, however, goes to the injuries on the defense and putting those three rookies in the backfield. Yeah, that's going to be a tough spot. A lot of this depends on exactly who plays and what the personnel looks like for the Bills, but... Those three rookies struggled mightily against Blake Bortles, and this defense in general, when it has struggled like it did on Sunday against Jacksonville, has been when it gives up those big plays in the passing game. And so now you've got three rookies out there trying to hold their own uh, on the road in a, in a tough environment against a team that's in playoff contention, and it just it's going to put more pressure on the guys up front to, to get after quarterbacks, which they have not been doing very well over the past couple of weeks either. It stresses every level of that defense, and it'll be interesting to see if Buffalo is in a position to take advantage of it. And the next hand grenade goes to those bullies on the Bills' defensive front. Yeah, I don't think it's too hard to remember the 2015 season opener up there and the way that Buffalo dominated that game up front and really hit Andrew Luck on almost every play, shut down that Colts offense. It really was a sign of things to come that season. Uh, Luck was hit way too often. He was hurt in week three. He ended up missing nine games that year, and it was really the start of of the slide that that we've seen uh, last all the way through this year and and where they are now at three and nine. So uh, the Colts' offensive line has struggled all season. Uh, The last two weeks in particular, they've struggled mightily. Jacoby Brissett's been getting hit way too often. He's been sacked, I think, 47 times this year. He was sacked four more times on Sunday against Jacksonville. He's been sacked 12 times in the past two weeks. 
those are not the kind of numbers that you want to see when you go into Buffalo and you face a pretty physical, pretty bully-like front seven, and, and it's going to be a huge challenge for the Colts on Sunday. And we've got a hand grenade for LaShawn McCoy, possibly being a running back who could cause this defense some trouble. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that they, they tend to have trouble against, those those speedy, elusive backs who kind of split between the, the, the cracks, and also LaShawn can catch the ball of the backfield. So, uh, again, depending on what the personnel looks like, Buffalo may have to lean on the running game a little more. McCoy's a guy who historically fits the profile of the kind of guy who, who gives this defense fits. And who else he gives fits? Me. When he's on my fantasy team and doesn't do anything. That was a couple years ago, but I'm still a little bitter about it. Um, So our next will be a horseshoe, and that's for Frank Gore. First and foremost, congratulations to Frank Gore. Moving into fifth place all time in the NFL on the rushing career rushing list on Sunday. Uh, Congratulations. He's one of the best guys in the locker room. He's one of the best guys in this league. And he just continues to go out there every week and and work hard. And he really deserves to be on a better football team right now. I think it's one of the things that's really kind of disappointing about the way this season has played out. Uh, This is probably Frank Gore's last season in Indianapolis, and you would love to see it end a lot better than this for him. Uh, That being said, this is a game. Buffalo has had some trouble this season with physical running backs, with guys who make you be disciplined, make you fill the gaps uh, in the run game. And Frank Gore is a guy who can take advantage of that. Obviously, in cold weather games, as we're expecting up there in in December in Buffalo, uh, that's something that you want to lean on is your running game. And maybe this is a week where where Frank Gore and possibly a little of Marlon Mack as well can break out and help this offense a bit. And then the last thing we're giving out this week is a horse grenade, meaning we don't know whether it will work for the Colts or against them. And that's Nate Peterman at quarterback for the Bills. Yeah, and the reason we don't know is we don't know if Nate Peterman will be at quarterback for the Bills yet. Tyrod Taylor did not practice Wednesday. He injured his knee in the fourth quarter against the Patriots. Right now, Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, is saying day-to-day with the quarterback uh, we'll learn a lot more on Thursday and even more on Friday about his status, but obviously there's a possibility Taylor won't go. Peterman, a rookie, struggled mightily in his only previous start. He threw five interceptions in the first half against the Chargers. Bills lost that game 54-24. to So if Nate Peterman is the quarterback instead of Tyrod Taylor, this will be a completely different-looking Buffalo team. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out on Sunday. George, you're headed to Buffalo this weekend. So tell me, what's more likely, you trying some legit Buffalo wings or the Colts winning this game? Well, considering the fact that it's 100% that I'm trying legit Buffalo wings because that's my only goal for this weekend, I'm going to go with that one. Uh, But I do think this is a winnable game for the Colts. Maybe. That's the big question here because we don't know if Tyrod Taylor will be healthy. If he is, his elusiveness and his cannon arm – that's going to cause problems with three rookies in the defensive backfield. They're going to be asked to stick to their receivers even longer than normal, and that's that's a lot to be asking of rookies on the road against a guy who can make plays the way that Tyrod Taylor can make plays. I'm not sure Nathan Peterman is going to be in the position to make the same kind of strides. 
So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and, and what happens on Sunday. That being said, I don't like the matchup of the Colts offense right now against the Buffalo defense. Indianapolis is going to have to get the running game rolling. It's not something they've really done consistently yet this year. It, what's interesting is they've been able to have high yards per carry averages, but they've had to have abandon the run a lot of times because the game's gotten out of hand or the other team's gotten out in front. If they can get a lead on Sunday and then run the ball effectively and continue to move the chains that way and get some big plays in the passing game out of, out of Jacoby Brissett, Maybe all of that together will help against the pass rush and will give them a, a new, uh, fresh opportunity up there because they, they've struggled in Buffalo even in past years. I just It's hard to imagine all that coming together for this team. So I think this might be another one where maybe they're competitive all the way into the fourth quarter and then whatever that dark cloud that rolls in, rolls in and, and overcomes the team. Uh, so I'm I'm far from predicting a victory, but I do think, unlike last week, this is a game on paper that's very winnable for this football team. All right, well, that's it for another week of horseshoes and hand grenades. Next week, we'll recap the Bills game and look ahead to a very quick turnaround with the Thursday night football game against the Broncos. Look for that show sometime early Wednesday online at your local CNHI Sports Indiana website or on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. As always, you can get the latest Colts news, in-game updates, and analysis by following George on Twitter at GM Brummer. And until next time, remember the immortal words of Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston Esquire, and be excellent to each other. You've been listening to the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast with CNHI Sports Indiana's George Brummer. For more Colts news and information, follow George on Twitter at GM Brummer. And join us next time for more of the Horseshoes and Hand Grenades podcast.